Welcome to the Mama Stay Fit Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about everything that I am doing to prep to try to conceive my fourth baby. Welcome to the Mama Stay Fit Podcast. This is Gina, perinatal fitness trainer and birth doula. And this is Roxanne, labor and delivery nurse and student midwife. And this is the Mama Stay Fit Podcast, where we empower you on your prenatal fitness, birth, and postpartum return to fitness journey. Our podcast shares how to move throughout your pregnancy to stay strong and comfortable. Pain is not a requirement of pregnancy. Understand the science of birth and how to approach recovery after birth. We share our personal experiences as mothers navigating the stage of lives, plus our professional expertise as birth workers and fitness professionals. Our goal is to help you feel confident as you navigate the perinatal timeframe for an empowering pregnancy, positive birth, and postpartum journey. We are glad to have you with us on this journey and that you've chosen us to support you. Welcome to the Mama Say Fit podcast. If you didn't know, because maybe you don't follow our stories on Instagram, I am preparing for my fourth baby. And so it will be my sixth pregnancy because we did have two pregnancy losses, but it will be hopefully my fourth baby that we were trying to conceive, which I always think is kind of funny to say, like, we're we're trying to conceive, which, you know, just means Which it, you know what that what means. What that means. <laughs> How are babies mostly made? <laughs> And so there's a number of things that I'm doing in my preparation to conceive because one, I am 35. I did forget how old I was at one point. And oh yeah, you told were everybody that I was the wrong age until my birthday is coming up, and you posted in the group that Roxanne's 34th birthday, and I was like, oh, I really 34? I had to do the math for it too because I can't remember. I think yeah. once you hit 30, you don't remember how old you are. Yeah. It's all a blur. Well, I am 35, and I will be 36 ideally when we conceive. So old just ancient geriatric Geriatric. (laughs) pregnancy jinx so i would be 36 when our next baby is born which means i pretty much just my clock is running out (laughs) placenta is just gonna be weak (laughs) all of the issues involved with that jk lols so i will be a little bit older which means i'm just trying to focus a little bit more on my preparation this time and my first pregnancy we i don't think we prepared other than thinking about that we wanted to have a baby and we're like let's you do definitely it. did not prepare we did not prepare in any all. sort of way not all i did was come off my birth control and it, it took a little bit of time for our second pregnancy we also did not prepare we just decided at a year that we were just going to start trying that one was a little bit harder because we did have the two pregnancy losses and there was a lot more to it and so when we were trying to conceive our son like not our son but me and my husband said, <laughs> not ours. We are not a couple. <laughs> we are sisters. <laughs> Gross. Common confusion. We are two people and we are not married. Create, co-creating with each other. So with my son, we did do a little bit of preparation after the second loss because we realized that my pregnancy losses could have been correlated to a thyroid issue that I was having. So I had elevated the antibodies for the thyroid. I might be messing up. I think it's like called TPO. So those were like super elevated. And these numbers are a little bit off, but you're supposed to be in like the 30s for it. This could be a little bit off. I was like 300. So I was like way over what I was supposed to be for this. And so it can be linked to like an autoimmune issue, which has been correlated with recurrent miscarriage. And so after the second miscarriage, we found out about this. And so my husband and I did the autoimmune paleo diet together just to try to bring down my inflammation levels. I also started taking supplements that were supposed to help with the thyroid. Um, I can never pronounce them. It's like inostostal or do you know what I'm trying to say? Nope. 
Can't even help me there. Yeah, zero, <laughs> zero assistance with that. <laughs> so Lydia was another Gina one. Gina did not share this with me. I did not. I'm just throwing it on you right now. So I took some medications or vitamins that I read were really good for thyroid health. And then we did the autoimmune paleo diet. And so my levels like plummeted. They were like super normal by the time we conceived. And it only took about a month, which was like really exciting. So I don't know if it was the diet or if it was the vitamins that I was taking. I mean, our diet's not great. Yeah, in I also took a thyroid medication. I don't remember what it was Synthroid. called. Synthroid. Yeah, it was that one. Um, so the combination of those three things, one of them worked, helped to lower my antibody levels to a normal range. And we had a pretty uncomplicated pregnancy, other than like the pandemic hit. But other than that, nothing wrong with my pregnancy. And so I don't know which of those three things helped, but they were all three things that I decided that I would like to try for this preparation as well, to just to make sure that my antibody levels stay really low because I do not want to deal with recurrent miscarriage again. That was not a good time. Not was, a good time for not, anybody involved. Zero out of 10 would not recommend. Um, for the third pregnancy or third child that we had, Sophie, I don't remember if we did any preparation. I think I just took my vitamins and, like, prenatals. Um, I don't even know if I did any blood work ahead of time. I think I just, like, was like, let's do But this. it was, like, also very fairly quick yeah, from when I was you decided to start trying to It was, like, first conceive, time go. Yeah. And then baby. Which was so different from yeah. the first two. So. so I was not expecting to conceive so quickly. But now I'm really old. So we're conceiving. Old. We're trying to conceive our fourth. And so I have been doing a lot more preparation for this one. And so... Let's talk about all the things. Why, one, it's important to prep for pregnancies and knowing that if you don't prep, it's you're probably going to be okay. But there are benefits to prepping. I myself prepped zero amounts for all three of my pregnancies. Our first and my third happened very quickly. Once we decided that we were going to start having children, are trying for children. We got pregnant fairly quickly, and I've, I'm very lucky. I feel very fortunate. Our son was not planned, so obviously zero prep went into that <laughs> at, at all. Not even the thought of having a child went into that prep. So I've not had to, like, think about it. But I also am way better at taking my, like, prenatal vitamins and just vitamins in general than Gina. So you are... The reasons why it's beneficial to start preparing for pregnancy, not just physically, but also like mentally and like looking into genetics as well. Preconception planning is so beneficial for the body and pregnancies. So one of the things that we can be doing physically to prepare our bodies is like taking all of like the different supplements or other things to kind of prepare that egg because both eggs and sperm take like three to four months to fully mature from like the little baby egg all the way to the, the egg that can be like fertilized. Same thing with sperm. Sperm takes between two to three months to fully mature and then just like sit in, in like the man ready to be ejaculated. So all of the things that you're putting in your body, not just like right before you're conceiving and then throughout your pregnancy is important, but also how you're supporting your body pre-pregnancy. So it's like three to four months prior to conception and that mature egg being like released from your ovary, everything that you're putting into your body is affecting how that egg matures. And same thing with your partner. Like it's not just all you, it's your partner as well. 
Your partners also need to support their sperm maturation. So all of the things that they're putting into their bodies also affects the little sperms. So if they drink alcohol, if they use tobacco, all of this affects their sperm as well. So it is a team effort preparing for pregnancy so that you're both your sperm and the egg. The two things that help create your baby are the most optimal that it could possibly be. Preconception counseling can also be beneficial for like genetic testing. Like let's say you have like a genetic disorder in your family that you know about. You can get genetic testing to see like how likely it could be passed on to your children, especially like if your partner doesn't know if they're like a carrier for some genetic diseases, like this could be really beneficial and helpful for planning. And then they also will do like blood work at those appointments to see like make sure that your vitamin D is in like a one and like it's in that optimal range because vitamin D is really important. And all of the other like vitamins and nutrients in our bodies can be like in that optimal range prior to conceiving. So Gina, what are you doing? So the first thing that we did when we were preparing to try to conceive was one, decide if we even wanted another baby. Like, yeah, four is a lot. Did we have the financial capability to have another child on purpose? <laughs> and so we decided that, yes, we did want to have a fourth baby. My husband was... Mentally also. My husband thought we were good at two. Um, and then he was excited to have a third. And he is willing to have a fourth as well. He is very excited for four children. <laughs> but he was like, I thought we were done at two. And I told him, I've always said four. So we have compromised and we're having four children. <laughs> Um, so the first thing that I, we did was we sat down and we decided whether or not we can financially afford a fourth child, and we decided that we could. And so after that, I went to my doctor and I said, hey, I want to do some blood work. My husband and I are preparing to conceive in the new year, and I want to start taking steps now to make sure my thyroid is doing good, my B12 levels are good, kind of all of my levels are at the most optimal range it can be before we try to conceive. And so I started doing that in the summertime. So I think like June or July is when I started getting a lot of blood work done. Uh, but we did like a full plan also. We were looking at my thyroid levels and how they were all doing. So that's like a big thing that we've been monitoring over the past few years. We looked at my B12 levels, my vitamin D, like how my liver was functioning, my kidneys, like all sorts of stuff, things I don't even understand, but he tells me that I'm doing a great job. Good job, organs. And so then we sat and we looked at the results of my blood work and we saw that my thyroid level was still not quite where he wanted it to be. And so we decided to start medication for it because we are kind of running out of time before we start trying to conceive. And so the things that we were doing without medication was still not bringing my thyroid to an optimal level. And so we decided to start medication. Uh, we did blood work again like a few months later, and my thyroid level is still not where it needs to be, so we've doubled my medication. And so we're kind of tweaking that until we kind of bring my thyroid to where it needs to be because that influences so much within our bodies. Uh, we're also monitoring like my B12 levels, which tend to be on the low side. And so I get shots for that. Eventually, like we'll kind of decrease the spacing of my shots just until my B12 levels are good. And like B12 and like the thyroid are like linked to one another as well. In addition to like our iron, but my iron levels has always been like good-ish. <laughs> but all my other levels have been pretty good. And so the only two that we're really monitoring is my thyroid and my B12. And this is unique to me. It could be different. For other people um, but I like doing the blood work because it lets me know kind of where I'm at at a cellular level I don't know whatever blood level <laughs> um, and it gives me a better idea of like what type of supplements I should be taking what sort of extra things should I be making sure that I'm eating like is there like any sort of medication I need to start and so it just gives me a better understanding of what's going on in my body and I started doing that like six months out 
to give me plenty of time to start adjusting things. And then we did my blood work like every two or three months to kind of monitor and adjust things as we need from there. So it was the first thing that I did. The next thing that I'm doing is I'm taking all of my vitamins and my supplements. And so proud of you. I know. Um, I'm not great at it. I'm trying, though. Um, but the ones that I'm primarily taking are from Needed. And so from Needed, I'm taking their egg support supplement, their COQ10, or I also heard it referred to as CoQ10, which I think sounds better. So we'll go with CoQ10. I don't think I've ever heard it as COQ10 except from you. Well, we we both know that I'm not great at pronouncing things. I just kind of make things up. <laughs> yeah. Um, so CoQ10 is the other one that I'm taking. And I, I think that's included in their like egg support bundle, which is really yes, nice. Yes, they do have and bundles. And so it gives me both of them, which is great. And then my husband is taking their sperm support, which is really nice because we also want to focus on his sperm support as well. In addition to the egg support and the CoQ10, I'm taking their prenatal vitamins, the vitamin D, the omega and then their stress support as well, because I can use all the help I can get with my stress levels. The stress support is so helpful, even for me postpartum. It's really nice. So I really like using Needed's products because they put so much research into developing like the formulas of their different supplements. And so I really trust that it's giving me like my best chance at a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> And then in addition to everything that I'm taking, my husband is taking their men's line, which includes sperm support, their multivitamin, and the omega-3. So we're both taking our vitamins together. He's better at it than I am um, to support my egg development and also his sperm development because we need both of those to make a baby. And then I'll continue to do our group project by myself after that point. <laughs> Just like Gina said, we both really love Needed. We are They're very intentional with all of their products that they create with their formulas and like the formulation of all of their products, but also where they source their ingredients that go into their products. They're very intentional about it. Their collagen that we both really love just like got this like clean project award because they source it from like really great places. And like they'll even give you like the testing to see if there's like metals or whatever like in their products that can be like toxic um, to our bodies. And they'll like give you the results, which is they're very transparent about all of that. Um, so obviously we're really big fans of Needed. And if you want to try out their products, you can use our code MAMASTAYPOD for 20% off your first order or the first three months of your own subscription. And subscriptions can be really nice because life gets in the way. We might forget to order our next supply. Um, and with a subscription, you don't have to forget because it's just going to show up at your door regardless of if you remember. So what other things are you taking other than needed? So besides needed's egg support, CoQ10, prenatal, I'm also taking selenium from Thorn, which is something that helps with the thyroid, and I'm taking my thyroid medication. So those are like the main supplements that I'm taking on a fairly regular basis. The other thing that I'm doing in addition to taking supplements is I'm trying to eat more food. So I eat like a bird. Because my B12 levels are low, my appetite is on the low side as Which well. Which maybe my B12 levels are low as well. I mean, well. I think we've had this conversation. Your B12 levels are low. <laughs> well, I mean, like, they weren't, like, that low. They were in the normal range, but, like, but low is, for your doctor what is what does mind. normal even mean? Anyways, so I am trying to eat more food. And I'm starting with eating breakfast. Can I eat some sort of breakfast? Again, like, four out of seven days, I maybe eat some breakfast. So... It's a work in progress. I'm trying to eat more food, but that's kind of where I'm starting. I'm trying to eat more food overall. And so what my husband and I are doing is we are trying to kind of plan our meals for the week. He's the chef of the family, so he just kind of does like a lot of meal prep. And then he tells me 
what food is available for me. And then I just put it in a little Tupperware and I eat it. And that helps me a ton. Um, just having like an idea of like what to eat has been very helpful for me. For whatever reason, when I open up my fridge, I'm instantly overwhelmed and like mental fatigue like takes me over and I cannot even comprehend what to order. And I just DoorDash something because <laughs> I'm like, I can't even think about what I can put together to make a meal. And so instead of just DoorDashing food all the time, he lets me know, hey, I just smoked some pork put that on a sandwich. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate that. So that's like the big thing that I'm trying to do is eat enough food, eating like a balanced diet. So like I have my proteins, my carbs, my fats. Nutritionally dense. Trying to eat very nutritionally dense foods, but also if I want to eat cheesecake, I do because joy. I need joy in my life. It helps with my stress levels. So that's where I'm starting. We are considering doing the autoimmune paleo diet again because my antibody levels were a little bit elevated. But I am curious if my taking the thyroid medication, all the supplements that I'm doing is going to help because that diet is like super restrictive and it's like really hard to do. Like there's certain spices you can't eat. Like it's like gluten free, dairy free. Um, so it takes all of these things that can be inflammatory um, to include nightshades, which is like tomatoes, pepper. So lots of spices are taken out too. So we have been doing some of the recipes from the autoimmune paleo diet cookbook because they do taste really good. But again, there's like, it's, there's, it's super limited on like what you can eat. So we're kind of debating whether or not we want to do that diet, but we might do it like the month that we try to conceive. So mostly just trying to eat like an overall like a balanced diet and just eat more food in general because I think starving myself probably produces an inflammation response. And so doing the opposite is kind of where I'm trying to go. Um, in addition to eating, I am trying to sleep a little bit more. The I guess. Best, the best work in progress. Work in progress. My children sleep in bed with me, and that can really inhibit my ability to get a full night's sleep. I have a, a toddler now, because she's 14 months, who loves to nurse Is that when still. they become a toddler? Yeah, after a year. So she still likes to nurse, like, in the middle of the night, and so I am usually getting woken up at some point. So sleep work in progress but i hear if you sleep more it also decreases your stress levels and your inflammation so you haven't slept in six years no i have not but i'm thinking about it so that's all that matters the thought is what matters the thoughts what counts i think i think someone said that <laughs> um so i'm trying to eat more food i'm trying to sleep a little bit more because i think those two things are like really important to supporting my fertility and then i'm exercising um so during my pregnancies i tend to get some sort of si joint pain at some point and it can be a little bit harder during pregnancy to do things to help minimize that. And so it's easier when you're pre-pregnancy to focus on movement patterns to help support your hip stability, pelvic stability, glute strength, and all that stuff. Um, so I'm incorporating a lot of movements during my workouts now that help support like SI joint stability. So a lot of posterior oblique slings. So my lat with my opposite glute, really focusing on being able to hip shift find internal and external rotation in my hip. And so just doing a lot of like glute focused exercises to help minimize issues that I have during pregnancy has been really beneficial as well. And so I'm just doing kind of a lot of like prehab type stuff like weaved into my workouts to ensure that I kind of limit that type of movement like issues. Every pregnancy, I really hope that I just have tons of energy in the first trimester and I'm not nauseous at all and that I can just exercise the whole time, but I usually can't. So usually I'm like really nauseous, really fatigued. And so I take like two months off. I wonder if it's from your lack of eating. Well, it's hard to eat when you're nauseous. No, but I mean like 
just in general, because usually people can be a little bit more nauseous, which leads to not eating, which just perpetuates nausea. But when you eat, nausea is less likely. Like during pregnancy or? No, like pre-pregnant. I mean, anytime. Because like even with Lily, I got bad morning sickness. Not bad. I did not get mad morning sickness, but I would get nauseous and I would eat something and it would go away. With Colin, I didn't get morning sickness. I just got like nighttime sickness. If I didn't eat my dinner by 5 p.m., then I was like sick. No, I'm Joan. I just didn't eat very often pre-Joan and then was nauseous a lot. So I don't, I have zero, I have zero scientific evidence. Your theory is, is, is garbage because I, it was just really hard to eat. Everything made me really nauseous. Um, I also had this like metallic taste in my mouth. And when I exercised, the nausea, nausea got worse. Well, yeah, because you weren't eating anything, anything, so you probably shouldn't have been exercising. Anyways, so first trimester, I do not exercise because I don't feel good. My body's just just like, no, thank you. We would like to sit on the couch all day. So I sit on the couch for two months. I get really deconditioned, and then I jump back into my workouts in my second trimester. And so I'm really focusing on ensuring that I'm still moving my body very regularly during the before I get pregnant so that when I don't work out for two months, it's not horrible when I resume workouts in the second trimester. So it gives me a little bit of wiggle room to to exist for about two months. So you're saying that you're like prehabbing to prevent a lot of the pelvic girdle pain that you have in pregnancy and you're like incorporating that into your workouts. And so a lot of people ask us if we have like a preconception program, which we don't yet. Gina hasn't created it. But a really common thing that people will do is just do the prenatal program because all of the pelvic stability exercises are already in there that you can do to prepare your body for pregnancy because the, all of the pelvic stability is in there to help prevent, hopefully, pelvic girdle pain. So that is a great option. The thing that I'm doing right now to prepare for pregnancy, like fitness-wise, is I'm doing our Beyond Postpartum Programming. And so folks that do our postpartum program, it's like 16 weeks after that, you can join our postpartum or beyond postpartum programming, which is just strength training. And it incorporates all the pelvic stability work. It incorporates a lot of stability or accessory work within it and also incorporates a lot of exercises that help to open the pelvis. Even though we're not necessarily preparing for birth, movements that open the pelvis just really involve a lot of hip mobility and the hip moving in different positions. And so our beyond postpartum programming is going to incorporate that as well. So if you don't want necessarily want to do like a prenatal fitness program, you can do our beyond postpartum fitness program, which is still a very challenging program. It's our strength and conditioning based program to help prepare for pregnancy as well. So just doing an exercise program in general can be very beneficial. But if you want more of the prehab work, the Beyond Postpartum Program is going to be a great option. If you don't quite have the setup for the Beyond Postpartum Program, you can do our prenatal programs like our mini program, which is definitely made more for like at home or our full program, which you can do both at a gym and at home. So those are definitely both options that somebody can do if they're looking for trying to conceive fitness preparation. Eventually, I will develop the program. Now that we have program access on Team Builder, it's much easier to do because I could just have, this is a follicular phase program. This is ovulation. This is luteal phase. Um, so it is coming. Stay tuned. I just need some more time in my life. <laughs> we need more 24 more hours in a day. If needed has a supplement that gives me like eight more hours for my day, I will take it. <laughs> the other thing that I'm doing to help prepare to conceive is one, understand my cycle. And so it always cracks me up because when I was in high school, I remember the sex ed class that I got about your menstrual cycle. And it was like 30 minutes. 
and it was like you get your period, you can get pregnant, and then you die, <laughs> like like from Mean Girls. Um, so it was like not very in depth, and I didn't really understand my cycle. And so when my husband and I were trying to conceive our first, I was like, wait, like you can't get pregnant any day of the month. Like you could only get pregnant like when you ovulate. Like what are you? And I was like 27 years old, like college educated person. And I didn't totally understand my menstrual cycle. And it cracks me up to this day. I'm like, I have been failed by so many. (laughs) I failed myself. So during our cycle, there are three different phases. We have the first part of our cycle, which is the follicular phase, which includes your period. So the portion of time that you are bleeding. During this first half of your cycle, you tend to have more energy. Your workouts can probably be a little bit more intense. You're just having a good time. Then you ovulate, which you kind of peak at intensity levels. This is when you can get pregnant. So kind of like if you have sex like prior, like a few days prior, because I think sperm can live for like five days or something like that. I don't know if you want day five old, (laughs) five day old sperm, like conceiving a baby. I I would think that you'd want like fresh sperm. (laughs) I mean, I think that it's, I I mean, as as long as it's moving, I think it's fine. Like it doesn't like degrade, (laughs) it doesn't degrade like the longer that it's alive. It just isn't as like mobile probably. So anytime, or not anytime before you ovulate, like a few days prior to ovulation, you can potentially conceive. And then the egg gets released and it's like, what? It maybe implants into your uterine wall and then you enter into the luteal phase, which is the second half of your cycle where you tend to have a lot less energy. And so like you might want to like lower intensity in your workouts. And then during this point, your progesterone is rising and your body is like, yes, we're preparing for a baby. And then you didn't conceive. And so then your uterus angrily rips everything down and you have your period. And then you start the follicular phase. So now I understand that my cycle has three phases. I have my follicular phase, ovulation, and luteal phase. And so now I have to figure out how to track that. And that's what I'm really focusing on during my preconception. Because after you have a baby, eventually your period returns. And then shit is wild for a little bit until your cycle regulates. Like after Owen, I had a period every two weeks. Starting at five months postpartum, every two weeks I had a period. For like three months. Oh my God. And I was like, this is not normal. I went and got like like an ultrasound, got blood work, and they were like, you're just postpartum. Everything's fine. And then it regulated. And so after Sophie, it was like 30-day cycles and then like a 20-day cycle and then it was like a 40. So it's, it's still regulating. And so I'm trying to figure out like what is happening with my cycle so that I know when we should try to conceive. And so the first thing that I can do is I can wear watch that tells me my basal body temperature because the thermometer is not realistic for me. Some people can do it. Like if you, so basal body temperature, what Gina's talking about is like, it's like this really fancy thermometer that has like multiple like numbers after the decimal. And you take your temperature moment you wake up, the moment you You wake up. You cannot get out of bed. No movement, no movements except to grab the thermometer and put it under your mouth. And then once you get that number and you track it and your basal body temperature will increase at ovulation. And then it will stay elevated if you conceive. Otherwise, it'll drop back down. So I am not good with a thermometer. I've tried it for previous time postpartums. It's not good. It falls off. I get up and I'm like, shoot. Also, I hear it's not super accurate if you're waking up multiple times during the night. So basal body temperature is not my go-to. I do have like some watches that I've tried. I've tried the Ava watch, but then I would always forget to charge it. 
and then that will, this is not helpful anymore. Um, and also, again, I'm waking up frequently throughout the night. So the wearables and trying to track my basal body temperature to figure out when I ovulated has not been a super helpful thing for me, but it could be really helpful for you if you do sleep, you know. And remember to and do remember it as soon to as take it. Gina can't even take her vitamins. I can't. So I'm like, we got to be realistic with what I'm trying to do. The other thing that you can try is to figure out when your LH levels rise. I don't know what LH stands for. Luminizing hormone. That um, when those rise is when you ovulate, and it peaks at ovulation for like 12 hours, and then it's like, and then it plummets back down. So you can try the ovulation strips. They are very hard for me to read. Because it's like they have to be the same intensity of color. There's always two lines. And it's like, does this mean it ovulated? Like, so you have to compare the strips to other ones. You have Some to take people it find like, it very stressful, too. Like yeah, it's a lot. That. So I don't do those. They're really cheap, though. So if you wanted a cheap option and you want to be stressed out, you can do that. Um, they do have a digital one, too. But if you would have to take it a lot. And I feel like the digital ones are probably kind of expensive. And it's like, smiley face, you ovulated. But what I've been using now, which is it's not particularly cheap, but I find it to be very accurate for me, is I've been using the Anito Fertility Tracker. And it's like a little stick. You pee in a cup and then you dip the stick in it. And then you put that into a sensor that's attached to your phone. And it measures how much hormones are in your pee. And so it looks at the estrogen levels, the LH levels, your progesterone levels, and there's one more. FSH. FSH. So follicle it takes the stimulating hormone. Yes, the follicle stimulating hormone. <laughs> so it looks at those hormones and it measures it throughout the month. And then when your estrogen is rising, it's kind of letting you know that you're in a fertility phase, that you're probably going to ovulate soon. I am in high estrogen for like a week before I finally ovulate. So I'm like, maybe today's the day. Um, and then my LH levels peak and then they drop to let me know that I ovulate. And then it measures if your progesterone is rising, which confirms ovulation, which I think is really cool. Does it test testosterone at all? Are, are any of those testosterone? No. Okay, then no. Because okay. <laughs> your testosterone also peaks when you ovulate because testosterone is like a... like a Oh, yeah. <laughs> libido. Incre it increases your libido. And that's how I can also tell when I ovulate, when I'm like, get over here. So I have really liked the Anito Fertility Tracker. I've been using it for about like four months now to like let me know kind of what's going on with my cycle. I like that it helps me know when I ovulate and that it actually confirms ovulation and that it gives me an idea of what these four hormones are doing throughout my entire cycle. And so if you are interested in Anito and checking them out, you can use code MAMASTAYFIT15. I don't think we get any sort of like commission or kickback from that at all. We just really like the tracker and so you can get a little bit of discount with it. So another thing that we can use to track our cycle that I find to be a lot easier, you can use the apps and all of that stuff, but it's like a lot easier, I think, for myself to just check my cervical position and my cervical mucus because that will change throughout your entire cycle. Like your cervical position will increase or decrease depending on where you are in your menstrual cycle as well as your vaginal discharge. And you might even have noticed it without actually knowing where you are in your cycle that your vaginal discharges changes throughout your entire cycle, which is kind of cool to kind of help support like conception. So for me, I know that I'm about to ovulate because I have to wear black pants all the time because there's just so much like vaginal discharge that's happening. It's always like really clear and like very like sticky kind of like egg whites, not sticky, but like stretchy like egg whites. And there's always just a lot of it. So that's how I know that I am probably going to be ovulating soon. 
In addition, my cervical position is usually really high when I'm about to ovulate and the cervix is like very open as well. And so I'll usually just check when I'm in the shower to see what's going on with my cervix to assess what the mucus looks or what the discharge looks like, what my cervical position is and how open it is. And then usually when there's a lot of discharge, it's always very clear and very like stretchy. The cervix is really high and very open. In addition to like a higher libido, it's usually kind of like my clue that I'm probably be I'm gonna be ovulating soon. Like our bodies are very smart. They want they yeah. want to get pregnant. Our body is so smart. Gosh. During your period, obviously you're not gonna have any vaginal discharge that you're gonna notice aside from like the blood. But after that, it's going to be a little bit drier until like you like exit that and, and enter into the more middle part of the follicular phase. And then it's gonna be like a little bit thinner and like maybe a little bit clearer. And then it'll kind of like start to change consistency into more yogurt-like consistency. So you might like it might look a little white um in color, but Sometimes people still report it as clear, and then it'll change into that more like egg white consistency. On some people, will even like you'll pull your underwear down, and it looks like there's like a glob of something in your underwear, and that is like the cervix opening a little bit. So it's like the little mucus plug that was in your cervix coming out to be ready for the sperm to enter, which is kind of cool. So when you see that, you're like, oh, time to have a baby, or like, hey not time to have a baby. We will avoid things because that means that I am at a high likelihood of having a baby. And the type of vaginal discharge that you'll have or like cervical mucus that you'll have at ovulation, it's called spinbarky. So like you'll put it between your fingers and then open your fingers and it'll be like stringy in between. It's like sticky, like egg white, but like you'll see it like stick to your fingers and like have like little, I call it like spider web kind of consistency. And it's really cool. So you know, like when you see this, oh, I have just ovulated and I, I myself know my own body, but whenever I see that, I'm like, oh yeah. So our, my conception of our, my most recent child, Joan, I had that and my husband was like, oh, I think I would want a third child. Bam. First time go. So those are all the things that I'm doing to prepare to conceive. And it's not like super strict or overwhelming for me by any means. Like, Sometimes I take my vitamins, sometimes I forget. But the first thing I'm doing is I, one, I'm getting blood work with my provider. I'm communicating with my primary care provider that I'm thinking about a pregnancy. And so we're doing a lot of stuff to help prepare my body the best I can. So we did blood work to take a look at different levels and to figure out any sort of like supplements or medications that I should be taking. We're really focusing on like my thyroid health. So I'm currently taking thyroid medication. And then I'm thinking about the type of supplements that I'm taking to kind of relate to what my blood work was saying. And so with the supplements, I'm mostly taking needed supplements. I'm taking their egg support, their CoQ10, their omega, and then their prenatal vitamins are what I'm taking. And I'm also taking the stress support. In addition, my husband is also taking their men's line to support his sperm health as well. In addition to needed supplements, I'm also taking selenium, which helps to support the thyroid as well. Just again, like that's an issue for me. It may or may not be appropriate for other people in their conception journey. It's just what makes the most sense for me. And it's the conversation that I have had with my provider that makes the most sense for us. Um, in addition to supplements that I'm taking, I'm also really trying to focus on eating more food in general and sleeping more as much as I can. So I think those two things are like really big for overall health and definitely really helpful for fertility. Focusing on moving my body and continuing to exercise, especially focusing on a lot of that prehab work that's already incorporated within our programming, our 
Beyond postpartum programming is incorporated within our prenatal programming. And so if you are preparing to conceive, it can be helpful to already start some sort of fitness program because it's a lot harder to try to do movements that help with pelvic stability and pelvic opening if you're not familiar with them or if you start having issues, especially since the first trimester for a lot of us, it's really hard to exercise because we're fatigued, we're nauseous. And then you're in your second trimester, there's already so many changes that have happened in your body and you're trying to kind of catch up and overcome any sort of pelvic pain that you may be having, trying to focus on how to move your body again. And so if you already have the muscle memory from pre-pregnancy, it's a lot easier to assess it during pregnancy as well. So focusing on moving my body, ensuring that I'm doing all my prehab work to kind of eliminate or alleviate any sort of pelvic pain, focusing on ensuring that I have good hip mobility so I can open all my different pelvic levels pre-pregnancy, even though these are movements that I'm really familiar with, so that when I'm pregnant, they still feel very accessible to me. And the other thing that I'm doing is tracking my cycle. I personally like to use the needle fertility tracker to understand where I am within my cycle, but I'm also looking at like my cervical mucus, my position in the opening. But there's so many other ways that someone else could track their cycle that may feel most intuitive for them, that may feel best, such as basal body temperature, using a wearable basal body temperature thermometer, taking it orally. There's so many things that you could do, but I personally like the Anita Fertility Tracker for myself. So stay tuned for a pregnancy announcement in the new year, hopefully. Hopefully it doesn't take too long to conceive, but you know, I will be so old and so old. So geriatric How and ancient. She ever then we'll have to do a podcast episode all about advanced maternal age and what that even means. <laughs> so thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure you like and subscribe to our channel so that you get notified whenever we release new episodes. We release new episodes every Wednesday and new birth stories every Friday. If you're pregnant and you want more support for us, you can join our prenatal fitness programs and our childbirth education course. If you're postpartum, you can join our postpartum fitness programs. And we have a new postpartum and newborn preparation course where it teaches you what to expect in the postpartum period, how to prepare for the postpartum period. It's more than just make sure you have a nursery and everything registered for on your baby registry. There's also a lot of stuff that you can do to mentally prepare for birth and also like logistically prepare for the postpartum period as well. Um, it includes the newborn care course, it includes our infant massage course, and our infant CPR and child CPR and choking course as well. So I'm really excited that we finally recorded and are releasing the postpartum newborn care bundle. It has not just videos to kind of like prepare you for postpartum, like what to get, like the diapers and stuff, but also what to expect in the postpartum period for like expectation management so that you know like what potentially life is going to be like for that first month postpartum, but also how like your family and partners can support you during that postpartum period as well. Sometimes like we forget that they're also part of this and like how can we involve them and how can they support you can be really helpful. This podcast is sponsored by Anita, which is a nutrition company that focuses on optimal nourishment for the perinatal timeframe. If you want to check out Anita, you can explore their website at thisisneeded.com and use code MAMASAYPOD to get 20% off your first order or first three months of subscription. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'll catch you next week.